0: good morning everybody hope you all are doing well today I hope everyone is safe and secure and uh, and uh, I pray that uh, we're all doing well and had a good day yesterday with our fast as many of you uh, I know that are watching or had a had a 24-hour fast yesterday joined uh, disciples all over the world it was a pretty uh, major day I think in a lot of ways, a very historical day that we've never we've never done anything like this before, where we had uh, tens of thousands of people fasting all around the globe together. And I think today's study is going to be great uh, to cap on that uh, as we study the 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 character of the person of Nehemiah. I mean, we'll be uh, going to Nehemiah chapter one if you want to go ahead and uh, start looking for it. Um, it's one of those uh, just fantastic stories, one of my favorite stories that's so deeply inspiring. Um, you know, today's a, t- today's a major day. Uh, as many of you probably know, yesterday we we uh, became the country with the highest number of cases. Um, I've unfortunately seen this slowly climb that we're now over 92,000 cases and and uh, 1,300 deaths. And again, I would like to encourage us all to keep praying for our people, keep praying for our nation, uh, keep praying for the globe. Uh, today, that's going to be the topic, is prayer, as yesterday was the topic. Uh, well, the last couple of days really has been more fasting. On Wednesday night, we studied fasting, and, and uh, today it's going to be more focused on prayer because of Nehemiah and because of his heart. And I I love Nehemiah so much. Uh, you know, there are so many things about him. Uh, not only was he a man of vision and saw things as they could be and should be instead of only as they are, um, but he was a man who was just very committed to prayer and just obviously had a great relationship with God um, and made it made a huge difference in the history of God's people. And I think that's... Um, it's a great uh, uh, character, a great person for us to aspire to be like. Um, I'm gonna give you a little background on Nehemiah before we jump into chapter one, and and mostly we're gonna be in chapter one, a little bit of chapter two. And that's it. Um, uh, that's that's plenty. And I encourage you another time to go back and study it. Maybe another day we do a full study on the book of Nehemiah. But um, Nehemiah, you know, he was a he was a leader. Uh, Much, much like um, Daniel, he was uh, in the the, the king's palace, the King Artaxerxes. Um, He was uh, actually interesting thing is Artaxerxes was son of Xerxes um, and was a descendant. So actually Esther, who will be studying Monday, was his stepmom and probably an, an influence on the king. But Nehemiah served as the king's cupbearer. Most of you probably remember him as that. And what was happening, uh, this is close to around the same time as Daniel. Of course, Jerusalem had been destroyed and uh, and all the people had been hauled off to Babylon. And, and there was a remnant that was still there. And uh, Nehemiah actually represents the third wave of help. Zerubbabel went, and then Ezra went. Um, 13 years later, Nehemiah goes, uh, there and he does something just flat miraculous. He rebuilds the walls around the city of Jerusalem in 52 days, which is just incredible that he was able to, to pull that off. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's usually the story we go to when we're trying to rebuild something or do something over. There's so many incredible things about it. You know, I love I, you know, behind every great miracle, every great story in the Bible is somebody who just put their faith in God. Somebody who stepped out and, and put themselves at risk, uh, because they believed in God and they believed in his promises and they trusted him. And we'll find that behind every story. And that, that hopefully is our story. That's, that's what we want to be, right? We want to be the one. That steps out on on faith, that trusts God, that that believes in His promises, and that's what we should be. That's our calling. That's the reason those stories are in the Bible. The reason they're recorded is so that we'll read them and know what we need to be like and what we're being called to. So uh, we'll go to chapter one and um, and we'll we'll begin there. And I love this book. Let me say a short little prayer for this. Uh, Father God, help us as we open up our Bibles to, to just be soft-hearted, God, to be open, to be inspired, to be moved. Help us to just cast aside all cynicism and, and all criticalness and and just open ourselves to being moved and our hearts being transformed by you, God. We know that you recorded these stories that they would move us and inspire us and then set an example for us. And father we do pray especially for our world right now we we see these numbers climbing we know that means a lot of people are hurting father. And we know that 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 even the news of this will will just spread more fear and more anxiety, more stress and help us god to be confident in you and and solid in you to have faith over fear. And to be able to set an example and be a light to the world. God, please bless our study in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Okay, so um so we we get into uh chapter one, verse one. It says, The words of Nehemiah son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with this with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant. That had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. And you know, the um so so remember the the Zerubbabel had already gone there, Ezra had already gone there, and the city was slowly being rebuilt. And of course, you know, for 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 every Jew, Jerusalem was the heart of their people, was the heart of their religion, the heart of of their culture and who they were and their identity. This is the city of David. This is the city of God. this is the, the city of God's peace um, Jerusalem, you know and 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 it's such an important city and that the fact that it, all the walls had been torn down, the temple had been torn down, the city had been devastated. and the walls are incredibly significant. It's like it's like somebody took over your neighborhood and as, as a shine, a sign of strength, and dominance over you, they made you take off your front door. And you're not allowed to close your front door anymore. That means they can come in or out whenever they want to. That means they can come in and take your stuff. They can take all your things. They can throw you out. They can do whatever they want. It's, it's almost a, a, a it's not, it's much more than a symbol, but it's, it symbolizes their complete dominance over the Jews. And so, so rebuilding that wall was incredibly important so they could protect themselves, so they could once again be secure and be a city. So, so Nehemiah hears about what happened. He hears about what the condition of the city is and that it's not glorious. It's not great. It's not what what they were all hoping for to happen. And it just breaks his heart. You know, he says, it says, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I appreciate so much Nehemiah's response, how he reacts to it, because you totally see his heart you know it just it just it just crushed him he says he says he sat down and he wept you know he just cried it just broke his heart to hear how a city was doing you know i mean we don't you know as adults we don't normally cry a lot most most i mean there's some cultures that are more emotional than others and and some cultures where they you know never allow crying which i've never understood even at funerals sometimes people say stay strong don't cry like hey you're at a funeral if there's any time to cry that's the time to cry but crying is 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 a natural response it's a natural emotion there are times to cry there is a time to cry and and it's when our hearts are hurting it's when our when our hearts are broken and you know, if you've been around very long on this planet, you go through times where your heart is just broken, where where it hurts inside, where you, there's just there's just nothing you can do but cry, but weep. And it just comes out from inside and it takes over everything. It's such a deep level of sadness, you know, and I mean, I've been through it a few times, where Where I've hurt so bad that it just it, it I remember you know I remember after my parents died, I just I felt like it just hurt to breathe it everything hurt in me, it was so hard to breathe it was so hard to even just exist, and I couldn't help but to just to weep and it wasn't that I walked around weeping all day long all the time, but that is the response when you're hurting when you're when you're broken inside when something hurts you that deep. And unfortunately, we all go through times like that. It is part of life, you know, when when bad, bad things happen. And as long as this world is ruled by Satan, as Jesus says it is, bad things are going to happen. And and there's going to be a lot of hurt out there with so many people getting sick and so many people uh, losing their lives over this. And so it's a natural thing. And it wasn't because Nehemiah was weak or because he's so emotional or, or because, you know, he's, he's got issues or whatever. I mean, the truth is we all have issues and, and the truth is if we're healthy, we will cry. We will weep at times because there's going to be times where we're, we're brokenhearted. This broke his heart. I mean, he loves his people. He loves the city. He loves who they are. And the hope was that all the good, all the greatness and glory of God is being restored. And it wasn't. And it just, it broke his heart. He sat down, and he wept. And for some days, he says, I mourned and fasted and prayed. And, and, you know, we fasted for a day yesterday. We know it's, it's not an easy thing. I know, you know, especially if you haven't fasted in a while, it's, it's a challenging thing. And, and some of us had never fasted. And, that's that's no small thing to go without, but you can see why it's such a huge statement because everything natural is to eat, you know, you get hungry, you go and eat and 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 we live in modern times where when you're hungry, you eat, there's always food available. But to deny that, a, just a primordial basic instinct, go and eat and say, no, I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna deny myself and I'm gonna draw attention to something a great need or a great, uh, something that is happening and so Nehemiah here nehemiah is fasting and he's praying and as we study they usually go together you spend time with God I know I just had, i had an incredible quiet time yesterday yesterday morning I studied nehemiah studying elijah it was it was kind of emotional in our whole house we were just all kind of quiet that yesterday and uh uh it just we we felt it we felt the the burden of what's happening in the world we felt the the burden of 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 just being surrounded by by all the sorrow in the world and and that's okay. It's you don't want to do that all the time every minute and you can't walk around mourning all the time, but there is a time to mourn. There is a time to to feel the pain and to address it and and you know what we do is we check the news once a day. we check it, the world news and the local news and and you know probably periodically our phones will remind us of things but but we try not to stay in it all day long and we don't have any small children in the house so uh, if we did i would be more protective of them as well that they not be overwhelmed i mean we lived in new york in 911 and 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 i remember it was on the news constantly them showing the buildings falling and and uh my son had nightmares my son he was like he was a little guy he was like 4 years old andrew was very small and he woke up several nights crying and, and crying out because he was scared he was having nightmares about it so please keep that in mind if you have small children at home but but there as the point being here is that there's a time to feel it there's a time to face it and and we can't run from bad things we have to deal with them we have to deal with what's happening in our world we have to deal with with sorrow when it happens i mean we have entire classes now to 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 learn how to grieve properly you know, to learn how to process these things because they have to be processed. And, um, so he sits down, he fasts, he prays, and then he goes to God in prayer. And this is really what I want to focus on today, because this is the the, the beauty of Nehemiah's heart. You know, I want to jump to after the prayer, you know, after he prays what happens. And of course it says, um, at the end of chapter one, it says, I was cupbearer to the king. And in the month of Nisan, the 20th year of the king Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. This is chapter two. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. And this is why this is in the series because this is a scary thing for Nehemiah. You know, kings had the power to just snap their fingers and end your life. You just got on their wrong side for a second; your your death is imminent. Your your it's over for you. And so, for him to to actually go to the king and ask for something that he's about to do, uh, that's a big deal. And it says, you know, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, "May the king live forever." Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed, and I love this. This is the classic line in the book of Nehemiah. It says, so the king asked him, what do you want? Now, I mean, if you want anybody to ask you, what do you want? You want the king to ask you that, right? Because he has the power uh, to do almost anything, you know, anything physically possible, there's nobody more powerful in the world than this king at this time right now in this place. And he asked him, what do you want? So, so Nehemiah, smart man, he goes, then I prayed to the Lord. You know, I prayed to God, the God of heaven. And then I answered the king. That's a good lesson there. Most of us would jump right to the answer. I want this. I want this. I want this. The no, first he prayed and then he answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah. There my ancestors are buried so that I could rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting behind him asked me, how long will you will your journey take? And when will you get back? If it pleased, if excuse me, it pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. You know, you just you, you just got to love this. You know, God. Moved, he put on the king's heart, and who knows? You know, the king, having Esther as a stepmom, he had possibly had already heard and already knew what was going on. Maybe he was already familiar, knew how important this was to the Jews. Um, but uh, you know, he was granted his request. But long before that, he heard the he heard the news, and he turned to God in prayer. And in this prayer, you know what you see is praise, petition, confession, humility, claims, the plea, and, and through it all a thanksgiving tone. And, oh, you know, I forgot to mention one thing that I think is very significant about Nehemiah and why I think this all this comes together uh, so well. You know, uh, Nehemiah or Nehemiah, um, it means God comforts or the comfort of God. And you know, I think about the, the 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 people of God were in distress, and this was God's comfort. This name Nehemiah or Nehem is name is is to comfort. It's the same word as Nahum, the prophet. It's the same word as as Noah. It's his root. It's the same root word. Uh, and you know, in the book of Noah, it starts out talking about how man had become so sinful, and God found no comfort. He was uncomfortable that he had made man. And then there was Noah, who was the comfort of God. And and he sends Noah in, and he works with Noah to save, right? It's the same idea that sometimes, you know, God, well, not sometimes, oftentimes, the way that God comforts us is through people. He sends a man of God. He sends somebody with a heart that he can work through. And that's what to me is so inspiring about Nehemiah, is his heart. This is the heart I want to have. This is the heart that I want to live my life by. And so we, we it, it really comes out in the prayer. So let's read the prayer. So it's, I'll, I'll start back in verse 4 again. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept, and for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. You know, he 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 praises God. There's no criticalness, there's no cut here, there's no negativity. It's he knows who God is. It's and and he and he lifts him up, says who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. You know, God, God never cheats us. God doesn't pull away from us. We are the ones who pull away from him. We are the ones who cheat him. And he and he, and he praises him, saying, Look, you're the God who always does what's right. The God who, who doesn't cheat, doesn't pull away. He says, and then he then he then he goes right into his petition. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer, your servant. Is praying before you day and night for your servants. You know he knows who he is. I mean, he's in, in one sense, in terms of jobs, he's at the top. He's he's the cupbearer of the king. He's the one that that is in the king's presence day day after day. But he knows he's just a servant. He's a servant of the Lord. I think it's a good way. Sometimes just to remind ourselves, we're just we're servants of the Lord. We're here to to serve God. We're not anybody's. Sometimes we get all uh, you know get all uh, high and mighty in ourselves, and we just have to remember I'm I'm just a servant of God. If my role is to put the chairs out and put them back, great, that's awesome. I have the blessing of being part of something God is doing, and not think too highly of ourselves. And He says hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. And then he goes into really a confession. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. You know, it, he, he doesn't, he he doesn't hide anything. He's very honest, very sincere. There's no games here. He says, look, we've blown it. We We've blown it. We have not done our part. We did not keep our part of the bargain. We have committed sins against you. We have acted wickedly. And it's not my people have done this. It's we. He includes himself in it. It's all of us. We've blown it together. You know, I think, I wonder how many prayers went up like that in the last 24 hours. You know, that it's we have not been faithful. We have not been all that we need to be. We are not doing what you asked us to do. I mean, this is, this is him just being very honest. He's very humble, which leads you to being open and honest. He says, we have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. He just recognizes it. Look, we haven't done our part. We, we didn't do. I mean, you know, you would have thought when Jerusalem was destroyed, we'd know better. You'd think that we would have gone back and become obedient. And they didn't. And they hadn't. And he wasn't trying to hide it. I think sometimes we... We get so caught up in being God's chosen and the ones that are loved by God that we don't want to admit our faults and we don't want to admit where we're short and what we need to change and grow. And and that's a huge mistake. It's a trap to, to it's when you associate weakness with God's love. That's why it's so important to understand God's love is consistent, it stays, it's permanent, it's always there because God is love. And then that frees you to be totally open about where you're at because you know that his love for you is not on the line here. If you're secure in God, then you're, it's easier to be open and honest. But the truth is, we have to be open and honest regardless of, of where we're at with God. The truth is, honesty is required. We can't have secrets. We can't have, we can't be pretending. We can't be playing games with God. We have to be just open and honest with him. That's, that's the beauty. Of the example here for us. What's a, what's a great relationship with God look like? Well, there's complete honesty, there's complete openness. And he says, and then he then and then I love this because then there's a turn. And again, this is actually all within humility. Is that now he goes in and, and he reminds God the promises made? He he claims those promises, basically. He says, Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. And by the way, he's quoting scripture here in his prayer. That's how well he knows the scriptures, right? And and he says, he remembers what Moses said. He remembers what, what was being said here. He said, but it, but if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name, you know, he's reminding. Remember, God, you said this, and you said that, and you said this. That no matter how bad we blow it, if re- we repent, you'll bring us home. You'll you'll put us back together. And I love that. He's claiming the promises of God, and we have to claim God's promises. And they are your servants and your people. And I love that because that's even a little bit of. It's kind of bold, like like hey, these are. These are my people. These are your people. This is God. You made us. You created us. We're yours. And he says, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. You know, he says, look, look. We love you, God. Okay, maybe, you know, we've blown it, we've messed up, we've done this, we've done that, but we're the ones who love you. We're the ones that are worshiping you. We're the we're your people. Warts and all. And then basically he's making that claim. And he says, Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And he goes back to the heart of the plea. I, I need success. I want to do well here. I want this to go great. And that's what he's asking God. And and I love that last line there. I was cut bare to the king. Because that's when you suddenly know, boom, how important his prayer is. That he's about to face the king. And so things really need to go well. But I love that prayer, the humility of it, the honesty of it, the the, the, the truthfulness of it. There's no game here. There's no uh, pretending here. You know, this, somebody sent me this prayer. This 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 is a little phrase going around. Um, it's being passed around the internet. But I thought I would read it and close out with this because I think uh, I think it has a lot to say for us. And this is a Nehemiah's prayer for today. And I don't know who wrote it, uh, but there are there are definitely some thought provoking things in this. It says, in three short months, just like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes? I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I will shut down civic centers. You want to worship actors? I will shut down theaters. You want to worship money? I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You you don't want to go to church and worship me? I will make it where you can't go to church. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Maybe we don't need a vaccine as much as we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus only on the only thing in the world that really matters, Jesus. I don't, I don't know, and I don't claim to know why all this is happening. I know that Satan's out there destroying and wreaking havoc always. I know that sometimes God allows him to do certain things to discipline us. And I know that sometimes he does things that God doesn't want to happen because he's the ruler of this world. And that's why we're supposed to pray that God's will be done. Which of those is what behind what's happening today? I don't know. God knows. But I do know this, that I need to praise God. I need to be in petition to him for my world, my my people, my nation, the people around me, my church. I know that I need to be humble and confessing my sins and being open and honest and that I need to have that kind of humility and I need to claim the promises of God and make that plea every day throughout the day, throughout the day, constantly in prayer. And my tone needs to always be one of thanksgiving. You know, uh, Just you just see so much Nehemiah's heart behind all this. And I'll close out with this scripture in James 5. He says, in James 5 verse 13, I think this is very apropos. He says, is anyone amongst you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone amongst you sick? He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. The point he says here is is that God hears the prayers of the righteous. You know, he hears everybody's prayers, but He, but I think he takes special note of those who are really trying hard to do what is right to serve him, and we need to be a people of prayer right now for the many, many, many who are suffering around us for our children, for our elderly, for our grandchildren, for the future of the church, for the church to have the heart to rise up and be what we need to be, and for ourselves, that I be what I need to be, that I be a man of God who walks humbly with God and who is bold in my faith, that I be all that God has called me to be, and that I especially be what I need to be in this hour of suffering, this hour of darkness. I want to thank you all for the prayers and the time that you've been given to you've been giving to God and and not that I'm anybody to be thanking, but I'm just grateful to be part of this assembly, to be in the company of heroes. And uh you know I, I, I am so thankful for all the 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 well wishes and the and and the prayers that have been coming through the internet that people have been texting me on WhatsApp and and through the website and through my own uh, website, pilgrim.com. And thank you all for your prayers. And let's keep praying for each other all over the world. Uh, we are literally going through the same things all over the world. Thank you so much. And and I will say this, um, you know, our memory scripture was Exodus 15 too. I didn't really get to have time to go over it. Um, but uh, let's just hang on to that one because it's a great scripture and we'll go over it this Friday. Exodus 15, verse two. Thank you, love you. Stay safe, stay secure, and stay spiritual.